Thank you so much for tuning into the Chronic Illness Support Podcast. Today, our guest is Debbie Emick, who is the author of the book, The Other Side of Perfect, Discovering the Mind-Body Connection to Healing Chronic Illness, and will be talking about her journey. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that 6 in 10 Americans live with at least one chronic illness. Thank you so much for joining me today, Debbie. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful that we can have this conversation today, Samantha. Um, Sure. So about 10 years ago, I started having some symptoms that I couldn't really ignore any longer. They began interfering with my life. And so at that time, I started navigating what I'm sure your community knows um, are these long winding roads, rough waters of chronic, of autoimmune disease um, diagnosis and treatment. And so at one point after that, I was taking like nine different prescription medications three times a day and feeling even worse. Mm-hmm. And Um, so slowly I just started taking back my power, um, as far as my health was concerned, one small thing at a time. So I empowered myself to switch doctors and I got a new rheumatologist and then I started working with my food, what I was eating, um, how I was moving my body. I started trying to eliminate toxicities in the products I used in my environment. And eventually this conversation that I had with my rheumatologist led me to think I should step away from my job. So I had a 14 year career in classroom teaching and Mm -hmm. thought if I, if I leave my job, I will eliminate all my stress and that'll be like the final magic bullet to heal. Right. I'll feel better. Um, and it wasn't until after I stepped away from my job that I found myself in this really deep, dark emotional place. And so all my work from that point was kind of clawing myself out of there. You know, I was, I had tried everything I, I knew to get better and still I found myself in pain and sick and tired and now deeply, deeply depressed. And so uh, for the sake of my two daughters, I, I wanted to break cycles, definitely not create any new ones. And so I started working on getting out of that those depths. And it just so happened that as I worked on my um, mental, emotional health, I began to feel this pain that I had carried in my body, um, like literal physical pain in my shoulders and in my thighs for years, seven years at this point, began to lessen and eventually leave. And so at that point, I couldn't really deny this connection between, uh, my, my mental, emotional health and, and my physical health as well. And so that kind of just kept me moving forward, um, in that respect. And so that's how, how I'm showing up here today. That's why I'm here now. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you've been able to find relief. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Me too, for sure. Yeah. What made you decide to become an advocate? Well, really just that in that it took so long for me to, um, to go from this place of diagnosis and treatment to some thing or things that I felt really got to the heart of, of maybe the origins of my pain. And so, uh, 
learning how to deal with that and the effects it had on my physical body and how long it, it took me to get there. Um, if there's any way that I could help someone else get through that or shortcut that in some way or understand that, um, you know, that would, that's an amazing hope for sure. Um, the more I began to be open about what I was going through and not just have like whispered hushed conversations about it, the more people started coming to me, particularly women, you know, who may or may not have a diagnosis, but they, they all had in common that they were sick or tired or burned out or in pain and just needed some kind of help or, or some idea of what to do and where to go next and weren't finding it in a traditional way and were looking for help and support. And so those are the things that kind of kept me going and pushing me forward. Yeah, that's great. You've been able to use what you've been through to help other people. Mm. How hopefully, long, hopefully so. Yeah. Um, you touched on this a little bit, but how long did you suffer with symptoms before you were diagnosed? And do you want to talk about the specific illnesses that you've had? Sure. Um, this is a trickier question than it seems because I think I like to say that there were whispers for a long time and I ignored those whispers. And so they just grew into screams. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but my whispers came for many years before I sought any kind of help with it. And so, uh, my oldest daughter is 15 now. She'll soon be 16. And even before she was born, I really struggled with um, just being tired for no reason. And so I remember going to doctors about that. And I was young, you know, so it was uncharacteristic. It didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and then when I had her, uh, there, there were some things that showed up in my blood work. Um, and someone came in to talk to me about it, but I just didn't have the space to hold that and work through that at the same time as having my first young child. And so I didn't do anything with that or about that. And, uh, my youngest daughter now is 10 and both of my, uh, pregnancies were exacerbated by what I can see now as autoimmune reactions to those pregnancies. Um, uh, the first one turned into something called help syndrome and I had to have an emergency C-section because my platelet levels dropped so low and that began happening with my second pregnancy. Um, but I, I had a heads up about that. And so, um, same sort of scenario there, but after I had my second daughter, I just never recovered. And until finally, like just mowing the lawn, I wasn't able to push a shopping cart the next day. I had so much pain in my hands and my wrists and my elbows and my shoulders that I couldn't really use them after I had mowed the lawn. Um, I've always been really active and uh, I had to stop doing things outdoors that I loved doing because I had so much pain in my lower body and my hip and, and legs. And so um, that time from my youngest daughter to now is about 10 years. Uh, but I can look back and say it's longer and I'm really stretching this out and making it long. Right. But my blood work showed, uh, my blood work showed, um, something called mixed connective tissue disease. And for me, that's a combination of lupus and something called relapsing polychondritis, which specifically attacks cartilage. And for me, it attacked the cartilage in my lungs first. So 
bronchia and that causes severe collapse when I breathe out. Um, and so that was sort of the first dramatic diagnosis. Um, and then a, a more recent diagnosis is something called pulmonary hypertension, which is uh, high blood pressure in your lungs, which is autoimmune related in, in many cases and can lead to heart failure. And so those are the big, that's the big overview of kind of what's going on with my body and what I'm being treated for. Um, and then just little things that go with autoimmune disease commonly, like Renaud's um, has caused me a, quite a bit of trouble in the past and mm -hmm. those kinds of little things. I'm so sorry you went through all of that. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it was hard at the time and I empathize with anyone going through that. Um, but it certainly led to where I am now and I don't know that I would have got here without all of that. So in many ways it was a gift too. Yeah. What treatments have you tried? Did they help? And did you have any side effects? For sure. So like I said, kind of in the intro, at one point I was taking nine different meds um, and feeling really sick. And so uh, at that time I was on steroids regularly at one point for well over a year straight. Um, some, some medications to handle the Renauds because it would turn into um, like very severe cracking and bleeding in my toes and, um, and kind of like chill blains. And so I was on a couple meds for that and taking immunosuppressants. Um, I've been able to work all of that back to, uh, I, I take, um, a couple of immunosuppressants and sometimes as needed, I take a, a pain med, like a, um, an, an NSAID, right? So a prescription, mm -hmm non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, nothing, um, nothing greater than that. So I, I, what I did try methotrexate, which seems to be a very common first try for anyone with some autoimmune issues. And that made me very sick, made my hair fall out, uh, made me lose quite a bit of weight. And when I switched rheumatologists, she took me off of pretty much all the meds I was on and just worked some back in. And so now I'm on immunosuppressant called, um, Imuran, and that seems to be helping without side effects. And I do take hydroxychloroquine sulfate. So Plaquenil, I've been on that since I began. So almost 10 years now and haven't had any trouble with that. Um, I believe luckily that because I also try to manage my lifestyle and my, um, my response to my environment, right? So trying to keep my nervous system, um, calm as often as I can. I believe that I've been able to stay on immunosuppressants that are just pill based and not move to something that's an infusion or a biologic. And I feel really grateful for that. That gives me freedom. Um, not in any way to blame or shame anyone that's on those, but certainly that's been my goal is to be able to stay on a pill form of an immunosuppressant as long as possible. And I've been able to do that. Um, 
So those are the basic ones. For whatever reason, my body really functions well, even though I have this collapse in my lungs. And so I had to do a lot of tests, like exercise tolerance tests, to make sure I didn't require stents, which most people with the amount of collapse that I have would require stents be placed in their lungs. Um, the long-term effects of that are not great. And so I did want to avoid that as much as I could. And my body performs okay, despite this collapse in my lungs. And, um, and my heart and lungs seem to be doing well now. So I haven't required those medical surgical interventions at this point either. Yeah, that's good and really helpful information. Mm. Would you like to talk about your book? Oh, sure. So, um, yeah, the, the farther I went down healing from some repressed trauma, uh, some repressed emotions from when I was younger growing up, uh, the more I felt healing and relief from this autoimmune weight that I had carried for so long. And so part of that um, healing was a journaling practice that I developed. And through that journaling practice, um, a book sort of emerged. And so the book really is there to, um, not at all to expose my own, but just to take the reader through the relationship between this trauma, uh, that I experienced that most adults really, you don't get to adulthood without experiencing something like that. But in particular, people with chronic illness with autoimmune disease tend to have a higher rate of these things in their past, in their childhood growing up, um, and tend toward these personality traits of people pleasing, of perfectionism, of just kind of being easygoing, go with the flow, not wanting to rock the boat. And so this process helped me release that trauma. And so the book is to kind of show the relationship between that and how I got to where I was at my sickest and most depressed and how I was able to work through that. And the second half of the book, um, include some journal prompts for the reader so that they might be able to work through whatever they're healing from as well, whether they have chronic illness or autoimmune disease or a diagnosis or not, um, just recovering and healing to be able to become a more whole, authentic, vulnerable, real person. And so uh, that book is called The Other Side of Perfect, Discovering the Mind-Body Connection to Healing chronic illness. And, um, that's because I had developed this like perfectionism, people pleasing trait as a coping mechanism to never really deal with that trauma and also never expose it to anyone else. And being able to recognize that and shed it and become more conscious and aware of my own behavior patterns and routines allowed me to be more vulnerable and authentic and show up as I really was, discover who I really am, and and heal in the process. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations on your book. Oh, thank you. You too. I see you've written uh, many books when I when I check you out on Instagram. So good for you. Oh, thank you, and you're welcome. Um, how do you cope mm -hmm. with chronic illness? Well, I kind of got into a lot of that um, in those previous questions, but I would say just for the purpose of answering this specific one, I try to have a practice 
Um, and I don't really do it seven days a week, but I try to hit it about four days a week. And I've learned that that kind of keeps me above water, keeps me at a level of awareness of myself and how I'm showing up and what I'm doing and allows me to be guided intuitively to like my next steps in healing. So, um, I try to get regular sleep, right? I think it's so important to get a good regular amount of sleep every night. Um, I try to take care of my body in a loving way with food that nourishes me, that doesn't exacerbate my immune system. And I do the same now with how I move my body. So, um, I try to show up for myself, for my body in a loving way, like moving my body, however I'm able, um, you know, at least four days a week. And then I do also practice meditation and journaling and I write affirmations, which has been really important in my growth and my mental health. Um, and so those are things that if I'm able to practice those regularly, they really help me. A couple of other things I do is try to have a real community um, for me, it's several women. We get together via Zoom, which has worked out even amidst uh, COVID. And I can show up with them uh, as my true, vulnerable, authentic self. And they support me. They inspire me. They, you know, help me keep moving forward and show me uh, how they're moving forward. And I believe in any health and healing, it's really important to have connection and love. And so um, I do seek that out, even though it's not my natural way. I'm, I'm more introverted. And um, I also like long, hot baths. And so I give myself permission to do that um, as often as I can or as I need. Yeah, that's really helpful. What is something you wish you would have known when you were diagnosed? You know, um, I don't know if you're familiar with these books, Samantha, but it wasn't until years into my healing, so maybe eight, that I started to learn about and read the works of Bessel van der Kolk, he wrote The Body Keeps the Score, and Gabor Mate, who wrote When the Body Says No. And um, those, with some other authors, like, who are very popular, so Brene Brown, learning about shame and releasing shame, and Glennon Doyle, um, who talks about uh, using certain character traits as coping mechanisms. But but coming to those works of those doctors, Bessel van der Kolk and Gabor Mate, really helped me understand the role that my nervous system and the trauma I had experienced played in this chronic um, heart and lung. So for me, it's heart and lung disease are the most serious parts of my autoimmune disease. And it helped me realize how those things are related. And so while I truly believe there is this mystical, magical connection to our inner um, emotions, our soul, and our outer physical health of our body, 
it really isn't so mystical and magical at all. You know, these are chemicals and hormones that our body releases when it's in fight or flight mode. And so often people with autoimmune disease and chronic illness are stuck in this fight or flight mode uh, way more than their body is intended to. And because of that, it leads to these very real, very serious conditions. And these aren't things that we talk about commonly, at least in my experience with our specialists when we go see them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know, you know, there's no saying like I took the path I took, the things came to me when they came to me and maybe I wouldn't have been ready to read them or understand them when I first began this journey. But if someone would have handed me those two books when I went to the doctor the first time, um, who's to say how things would have turned out or how long it would have taken or what kind of growth would have come from it? Right. I'll definitely have to check out those resources. Yeah, they're, they're great. Um, how does having chronic illness affect your daily life? Hmm. Well, now, because of the chronic illness, uh, I'm able to show up in the world in a completely different way. So before, I was just this perfectionist people pleaser who... Um, worked very hard every day, kind of like put your head down, show up, grind through it um, until retirement kind of person. And when my health started to fail, it really put something very clear for me um, that like tomorrow is not guaranteed, right? So if we keep working for or looking toward some point in the future to live our, our real life, we may never have that. So that's true for everyone, whether you have a chronic illness or autoimmune disease or not, right? But I, luckily I can look back at that and say like, that was a real gift because it put my life in perspective for me. And so it changed the way that my husband and I um, get income so that we are able to live the life that we wanna live and show up the way we wanna show up and ultimately led to me being able to write the book that I wrote and have this conversation with you. And life is not perfect. <laughs> uh, it never was, it never will be, and neither am I. But, um, you know, I have far more better days than I do not good ones. And so in that respect, grateful uh, for this gift that I've been given that put my true wants and desires and needs in perspective for me and allowed me to go out and and get those and kind of step away from the unconscious life that I was living. So I don't know if I answered that question really well, but that's what came to mind when you asked it. Yeah, and that's a great way to look at it too. Mm, thank you. How are you doing now with symptoms? Um, for the most part, I'm doing very well. So like I said, I take that immunosuppressant, I take the Plaquenil, and as needed, I take a, um, uh, an NSAID because I, I have some, inf I have like some arthritis that really requires a knee replacement in one of my knees and I want to stay active and I don't want to have a knee replacement yet. So that's yeah. mostly what I take that for. And if I take care of myself, right? Through those practices that I said, um, if I, if I nurture my body through the food I eat and the way I, I care for myself, for the most part, I don't experience a lot of pain 
And that was the main thing that like really caused problems for me. So I couldn't really see what was going on inside my body with my heart and lungs, but I could feel the pain, you know? And so most days I'm pain free and doing well. I definitely still struggle with, um, energy, uh, feeling tired a lot, not fully understanding why I'm tired. Um, and so I'd say that might be my main struggle that I still work through. If I do those things I know to take care of myself, uh, the pain really isn't there and my body, I'm so grateful, does most of the things that I want it to do and ask it to do. So, Yeah, I'm glad you have more pain-free days. Oh, thank you. Me too, for sure. Is there any other information you would like us to know about your illness or book? Mm, I think I said most of it. If anyone's interested in getting the book, um, you can really go to any online retailer of books that you prefer. So you can find it at Barnes and Noble online or Amazon online or Walmart, or there are some independent book retailers online if you don't want to go to one of the big ones and you can find it there or you can just go to gobucketyourself.com forward slash books and we'll help you find it that way and you can also find a companion journal there so I came up with a 30-day companion journal for anyone wanting to go through their own healing a bit of a self-care process um, and you can find that at gobucketyourself.com forward slash books if anyone wants to talk to me personally reach out um, seek support or some guidance you can find me on instagram it's at imperfectprogress.me so the the letter i the letter m and then perfectprogress.me um if you send me a dm you'll definitely get a response back so i'd love to chat with anyone who who would like to okay awesome i will provide all of that information in the show notes um what piece of advice do you want to give listeners hmm well, this may seem a bit, um, I don't know, meta or a little bit high level, but I think for me, the real first step to true healing and truly coming into myself was awareness. And so for me, that's just being the noticer uh, in my mind in, of the thoughts I'm hearing myself say, the things I'm saying to myself, the stories I'm telling without judging. So not trying to suppress them or make them go away or change them. But first, just noticing. So when I noticed, I noticed a lot of mean things that I was telling myself, right, that I wouldn't say to others, or things I was telling myself that just simply weren't true, things I, I thought I had to do or needed to be. And so the first real step was just noticing that without judging and letting it be there. And then when I was able to do that, I could detach from those stories, right? So for me, that sounded like, I am not my body. I am not my pain. I am not my diagnosis. I am not my mom or my dad or my husband or my daughters, or I am not any of the roles I play, right? Mm -hmm. I existed before all of those things. I exist without those things. And so being able to detach from those things helped me um, first decide what story I wanted to tell myself and wanted to be true and begin to rewrite that story in a way that I wanted for myself for my body, for my health, for my life. And so I think those are the, uh, they're free, they're simple. You don't need anyone else to 
to tell you, you know, how to do it or buy anything. Um, it's not easy. I wouldn't say that it takes some work and some time, but I think those are the two best tips I could give anyone for being able to come to health of any sort and your own freedom in whatever it is in your own life that you're meant to. So first awareness and then detaching so you can rewrite your story. Yeah, that's great advice. Mm, thank you. I hope so. Um, how can someone show support? Oh, I like this question. I think if you're a caretaker or you love someone that's struggling, I think just um, being someone that holds space for that person as they um, come to their own understanding and their own needs and desires. For a long time, I couldn't communicate what I needed or what I wanted. And so I'm grateful that I had a partner, my husband, who, who was able to come along with me as I learned to do that. But even before I did that, he showed up for me in ways I didn't ask him to. Um, and so I would say that if you're a caretaker or a partner, just know that the person that you're, um, that you care about that has a chronic illness or autoimmune disease might not be able to communicate their needs or wants. And so in some ways you're gonna have to be patient. And if you can show up for them in ways they need but are afraid or don't know how to communicate, that's great. And if you can just be the space holder that gives them time and space to do and be what they need to in the interim of, of coming to their awareness and understanding of what they need. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for taking time to be a guest on the Chronic Illness Support Podcast to talk about chronic illness in your book to help provide education and awareness. I enjoyed having you, Debbie. Thank you, Samantha. I really appreciate it. This has been my pleasure for sure. If you found listening to the Chronic Illness Support Podcast helpful in any way, please subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you so much for listening. <music>